Hello and welcome to the Investment Chat by Kleinwood Hambros. My name is Fahad Kamal and I'm the Chief Investment Officer. Hi, and I'm Andrew Thompson, Head of Investment Management. In today's episode, we're going to look at the recent turmoil in financial markets and in particular what's been happening with banks. And then we're going to take a a quick look at the impact of that in client portfolios and how we're positioned to navigate the latest volatility in markets. Just a few short weeks ago, it looked as if this year had begun pretty brightly. Equity markets were in good spirits. There were signs of, uh, of inflation cooling. But I think it's fair to say that the last week or so, the shocks that we've seen within the financial system and being clear within the banks themselves, uh, starting with uh, SVB and then moving closer to, uh, to home with, uh, with, with Credit Suisse, an awful lot has happened and the mood appears to have changed. Do you want to quickly recapture what we think has happened and, and the extent of the, uh, of the risks out there for investors? Hello, Andrew. It's wonderful to be with you again. Indeed, it, who would have thought that here we are recording towards the end of March, um, that at the beginning of the month, you know, you would have said that inflation would have been what we would be discussing. But uh, clearly, the, the, the recent turmoil, obviously, in, in banks led by Silicon Valley Bank in America and then and Credit Suisse have, have completely um, put everything else, including inflation, on the back burner. But let's put it all in some degree of context. So obviously, Silicon Valley Bank was a, a crisis that came out of nowhere. No one saw it coming. It turns out that it doesn't really represent um, some greater systemic risk in the banking system. As we begin to unpack what actually happened, it does appear it was a very idiosyncratic issue, which was really one of very poor oversight of the assets that they held on their balance sheet, particularly very long dated government bonds that lose value when interest rates go up as they have been. That is obviously not a systemic thing. That's a very unique uh, one-off thing with with Silicon Valley Bank. Um, Moving on then to Credit Suisse, is is that in a way is the total opposite uh, where the, the, the balance sheet for Credit Suisse is rock solid, has been by all measures. However, the the issues there were long running, really running over a decade or so. Um, scandals, mismanagement, and really clients and depositors doing an exodus over a number of years. And really, as we started this year, Credit Suisse shares were already down 20, 90% or so from their peak. So this wasn't a new issue. It was well known, well heralded in all respects. Obviously, when the Silicon Valley Bank issue happened, the immediate response by by you know by reasonable uh, depositors of Credit Suisse is, oh no, you know, the, the, is this bank also weak? And it led to um, you know the sort of the final straw uh, that broke the camel's back in terms of depositors fleeing, and it was just at that time deemed impossible to really resurrect. But the Swiss authorities swung into action quite quickly, engineered a takeover, and therefore prevented what could have been more angst and fear in the banking system and really nipped it in the bud. Long story short, both of those, Silicon Valley and Credit Suisse, appear to really be idiosyncratic, one-off issues, very rooted in specifics to those particular banks and not representing some wider systemic issue. Obviously, we do know rates have gone up a lot. And actually, that tends to be quite good for the banking system. Of course, we do have an inverted yield curve. 
which does put some pressure on the bank model, where, where generally speaking, banks tend to borrow at the short end of the curve, lend at, at the longer end of the curve, if you were. And the, the, the fact that we've got, you know, yield curves that are inverted are, um, you know, are problematic. But once again, you know, the banking system in general is incredibly well capitalized, very highly regulated. To the best of our knowledge right now, we expect that those two uh, issues that we've discussed are one-offs and hopefully will start receding in the rear view as we move forward. And in terms of actual uh, client portfolios, clearly we've had a, a, a shock recently, but of course the, the reality of the history of just this um, century, it feels as if we've been through an awful lot together. We've had the tech crash at the turn of the of the century. We then had the global financial crisis in, in, in 2007. We've had the Eurozone debt crisis. We've had an awful lot thrown at us. And of course, in, in, in more recent history, we've, we've had US-China trade wars. We've had the global pandemic the shock and, and, and horror of, of Ukraine, and of course now uh, an inflation shock coupled with a financial crisis. So an awful lot has been thrown at us, but it's also fair to say that markets, um, investors have proven resilient. But probably a key part of that has been making sure that to be able to navigate crises that we've been sufficiently diversified. Can you give us a sense today how we're we're navigating today's uncertainty and how our portfolios look typically? Absolutely, Andrew. But you know, before I even get into the specifics of our portfolios, it probably is worth just stepping back and and taking stock of the situation. We obviously, as you've alluded, have been through an incredible amount of volatility over the last you know few decades, uh, and this first quarter of twenty twenty three has been no exception. Uh, the year started off in really high spirits, very buoyant. February was was a bit of a pause and clearly March has seen a resurgence of fear given uh, what we've discussed in terms of banking. But in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that, the global equity market so far in 2023 is in positive territory, right? You'd imagine, given all this sort of fear and and, and then the sort of resurgence of of uh, you know the inflation in the UK, banking crises, etc., that that we would we, we would be in quite sort of negative territory, but we're not. Most of our portfolios uh, across our strategies are also uh, positive on the year. A large portion of that is uh, because of the diversification that you've mentioned. So we. We've seen the equity market, as I said, largely hold its own. Um, a lot of that is driven by um, by actually U.S. Uh, outperformance, particularly in the tech sector, which is the complete opposite of what we saw last year. You know, it, uh, the reason why the U.S. tech sector has tended to be more resilient in this crisis is that clearly interest rates have, have been going, uh, the expectations for inflation and interest rates in the future seem to have been, be coming down. And that uh, tends to be quite positive for, for the tech sector, which tends to behave like a long duration asset. But more importantly, I'd like to point our attention towards the other part of our book, where we are trying to seek safety away from, from risk assets. And it's interesting that this year, the things that have really protected our portfolios are bonds and gold. Things that didn't protect us nearly as well last year, where last year the the things that were very you know prized and really protected in us in our in our portfolio were hedge funds and cash. It goes once again to say that it's impossible to know the nature of the next crisis before in real time, 
And it's very clear, especially from recent history, that no single safe haven asset performs predictably or or even uh, provides safety in every context. It also you know depends very much on the nature of the crisis. In the volatility that has spiked over the course of this year, government bonds have provided an excellent ballast. Yields have gone down, uh, particularly at the short end of the curve. And in addition to that, gold has has also been uh, been been a, been a great uh, uh, source of uh, of stability in our portfolios. And as I said, as we uh, head into the waning days of Q1, across the book we seem to be uh, in reasonably good shape, considering what might be conceded, but what what you may have expected, given all the volatility, inflation scares, etc. That we've discussed. Now, I'll just very briefly end with you know how, how we're positioned and and what our expectations are for the future. We are largely neutral in our risk appetite. We think that a few, regardless of the 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 immediate storm in the banking world, two things are, are materially more positive today than they were when this quarter began. One is the global economic outlook is a lot more optimistic, a lot more bright than it was. The reason is. China and Europe, which we had very uncertain expectations for as we began the year, have been a lot better. Europe has seen clearly we 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 benefited from a warm winter. We haven't had nearly um, as difficult gas and gas prices have fallen tremendously. It's helped Europe get off, uh, you know, get get off of what's been a very difficult year and actually have have, have quite good growth expectations. China similarly, the COVID restrictions that were so um, draconian and difficult for all of last year were suddenly taken. Away, two huge economic blocks, largely uh, you know roaring back into life. Um, the U.S. Uh, continues to also, uh, and the U.K. for that matter, both of them continue to confound expectations. We expected you know the the, the you know recession, etc. But the consumer in both the U.K. and the U.S. continues to be very strong. Retail sales in the U.K. are yet the la- you know latest retail sales for February are like the latest you know uh, data point that suggests that that actually conditions on the ground in the UK are, are better than we were expecting in the beginning of the year. And indeed, the Bank of England in its latest expert forecast for, the, for growth have said that there's going to be um, no recession in the UK. So by and large, the economic climate is a lot brighter than we expected at the beginning of the year. And momentum, the other factor, continues to be in positive territory for global risk assets. So as a result, we, we continue to have a neutral uh, appetite on risk. And I've already mentioned our diversifiers. We are well diversified in our safe havens. We have a, a variety of um, of things, gold and, and government bonds have been particularly helpful for us this year. But as I said, we can't know the nature of the crises. We still have a lot of risks out there. The inflation scare has not gone away, but we think that our balanced approach in our, in our risk-taking, as well as our diversifying of our diversifiers is the right mix for portfolios. Thank you for listening to this month's episode of the Investment Chat. We'll be back next month for a regular investment update. So do make sure you join us by clicking the follow button wherever you're listening to this right now. Every new episode will land straight on your device as soon as it's available. Until then, thank you for listening. Goodbye.